Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. Amen. Go to Philippians uh, chapter 3. I want to start off reading this verse, and I'm going to talk to you about moving forward. How about that? Amen. But we have to start here. And I'm going to read this to you from the Passion Translation. Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to start at verse 12. Amen. It says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. But I run with passion into this abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. Now, here's the part. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. Just one. I forget all the past. I forget all the past. I forget all the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. And can we get verse 14 up there? And I run straight for the divine invitation. To run into what all God has for you, and it is great, and it is wonderful, and it is bright. You're going to have to let go of the past. You're going to have to let go of your past mistakes. And you're definitely going to have to let go of the past mistakes of others. You got to fix your heart on that and run into that divine invitation. Amen. Whatever you experienced in your past that's hurtful, there's a divine invitation to get you past it into the fullness of God's love. But you got to run into it. You have to have a compelling focus on it. And you have to run passionately into it. Forgetting all your mistakes and forgetting all <laughs> for all that people have done to you in the past. Amen. It's, it's, it's something that you mentioned about my testimony because God was dealing with me about that. And uh, so we're going to talk about those things. But here's something I want to give you real quick. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. The definition of forward, 1 John chapter 5, verse 2, the definition of forward means, and it means to go onward so as to make progress toward a successful conclusion. Read that to you again. It means to go onward so as to make progress toward a successful conclusion. Amen. You may run into some things in your past, but if you'll go forward, you'll have a successful conclusion conclusion. Why? Because that's what Jesus authored for you. That's what his blood speaks for you. Amen? So 1 John chapter 5 verse 2 it's funny how these themes come together because at the beginning of 2021 uh, well towards the end of 2020 I was talking to God because a lot had transpired and there was a lot going on and I asked God, I said God you know what about 2021 and what he told me he said love is the way out and love is the way forward that's what he told us told me about my church and so I want to talk to you about moving forward in love and I, I want to start by giving you the Bible definition of love and you know love is twofold and here's what I mean by this we know that God loves us because he gave us his son. But when we talk about expressing our love towards God, it's love towards God, and it's what God tells us to do in our love towards man. That's what I mean by it's twofold. It's love towards God, and it's love towards your, your brother, your sister, people. Why? Because God loves people. Amen? So 1 John chapter 5, verse 2 says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and what? Keep his commandments. Verse 3, for this is the love of God 
that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. So they shouldn't bring grief. Simply to love God is to obey him. And if that's too big of a word for you, to love God is to do what he tells you to do. Y'all understand that, don't you? Because your mom and your dad tell you that or whoever your guardian is, what do they tell you? Do what I tell you to do. And it'll be all right with you, won't it? Amen? You know Ephesians 6 tells us that when we honor our mother and father, it'll be well with us. Amen? I learned that kind of in reverse. My mom, you know, if I wanted to be well with me, I just did what my mama told me to do, or it wasn't going to be well physically. Then I learned, oh, that's Bible. It'll be well with you. (laughs) Amen? So to love God is to obey him. Amen? Now go to John 14, verse 21. I want to show you what happens when you love God. Or we can say it this way. When you obey him. When you do what he tells you to do. How do you love God? Do the word. Not hard, right? John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. There wasn't anything made that wasn't made from the word. To love God is to love his word because you can't separate God from his word. And we just learned from the word that this is the love of God. That we what? Keep his commandments. That we obey him. Follow his instruction. Right? Now let me show you what happens because Angie just said he wants us to have a real God encounter of his love. How do you do that? Do what he tells you to do. Not hard. But this is what you can expect. John 14, verse 21, from the Amplified Bible, Jesus tells us this. The person who has my commands is the one, and keeps them is the one who really loves me. So you know what you're going to have to do in starting your love walk with God? You're going to have to read your Bible. Because you can't keep a command you don't have. You can't do a command you don't know. And you don't know unless you're taught. So you have to start reading. I tell my church all the time, reading is fundamental. How many times have you heard Dr. Jacobs tell us, you're going to have to wear out some Bibles? Amen? Well, some of y'all do stuff electronically, so you're going to have to get your screen so dirty on your device from reading your Bible and scrolling through it that you're going to have to keep some Windex to keep it clean. You get my drift? So if you're going to keep his commandment, you have to read your Bible. Reading has to be a part of your daily life. It has to be something you do every day. It has to be something you're committed to. You You can't get bored with it. How do you get bored with victory? See, that's the way you have to read your Bible. How do you get bored with manifestations? How do you get bored with God making himself real to you? We just just heard the song, I caught a glimpse of you. Listen to this in John 14, 21. Again, I'm going to read it again. He said, the person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him, I like this part, and will show, will reveal, and will manifest myself to him. And then he says this part, I will let myself be clearly seen by him, and then this part, make myself real to him. God is real to you when you do what he says. And when you do what he says, that's an act of faith, and faith pleases God, and God responds to our faith. But if you don't read your Bible, you don't know the command. If you don't know the command, you can't keep the command. If you don't keep the command, nothing becomes real. You want manifestations? You got a book full of them. And they become a reality to you. They manifest themselves. God manifests himself and makes himself real to you. And see, you get a glimpse. No, you clearly see who God is. Amen? There's nothing like opening your Bible and there's a part in your life that you need an answer to 
and God manifests himself to you. And then you do what God tells you to do, even though you're trembling, even though your nerves might be messing with you, but you say, this is my answer. And God comes through, you say, oh, let's do it again. Because you know something. It's like trying to tell me Kool-Aid don't taste good. You too late, I'd have had it. Amen. Once you do what God tells you to do, you can stand before him and say, I'm looking for manifestation. I'm looking for clarity. You want clarity? Obey God. How hard is that? Do what he tells you to do. You'll have clarity. Do the word. Start with the word. Start with the word that you know. Start with the word your pastor's been preaching to you over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Why he keep preaching that? Because you're hard-headed. If you do it, you can move on to something else. Amen? But he'll still come back to it. Why? Because the word never gets old. Amen? So now go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Let me show you how this generate y'all's generation, you all's generation, will move forward. You know how you do that? By obeying the instructions of the ones who have gone before you. See, that's how you move forward. So, how many of you, you, you drove up here, you rode in a van? Or a car or whatever, right? You got on the interstate, right? Somebody built it before you. That's why you're able to get here. Amen? We're sitting in the building. We didn't build it. Somebody built it before us. Somebody gave the money. Somebody learned the plans. Somebody learned how to read. What am I saying? We are, we are always experiencing something that somebody built before us. And we don't get into anything on our own. We're just not that smart. God puts people in our lives. There's no such thing as a self-made anything. Well, I didn't have a teacher. What did you do? Read books. Hello, dum-dum. Somebody wrote the book. You didn't. And furthermore, somebody taught you how to read because you didn't come here knowing how to read. Or you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Who made the boots? Are you a cobbler? See, people make, make listen, the Bible makes stuff simple. I love that song, God's love is not complicated. It's uncomplicated. Let me tell you something I learned from Dr. Jacobs. We were sitting, I think it was in Canada, and he told me this, he said, when people make stuff complicated, my spiritual antennas goes up because God's not complicated. What did Paul tell the Corinthian church? He said, I'm bothered that you've been moved away from the simplicity that's in Christ. It's simple. Simple. Amen? So let's look at this. We learn from those who've gone before us. We need to pay attention. Amen? We're in Joshua chapter 1. This generation that Joshua is leading into, they're going somewhere they've never been before. The generation before them died in the wilderness. Joshua is the only one, Joshua and Caleb, the only one left from that generation to go in with them. They're going somewhere, it's like Star Trek, going somewhere where no man has gone before. It's something new. But yet God says, wait a minute, you're going to have to learn from the ones that I talked to before you. Listen to what he says. Joshua 1, verse 1, he says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake to Joshua. So God is speaking to Joshua. The son of Nun, Moses, his minister or servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them. God's saying, go forward. I know Moses is dead, but you got to go forward. And then he says, even unto the children of Israel. So he gives them that land. Go to verse 3. He says, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, 
that have I given unto you, uh-oh, as I said unto Moses. Isn't it funny that God is talking to Joshua, speaking to Joshua. He's giving him an instruction, but he's pointing him back to what he said to Moses. Oh, let's read a little bit further. He referenced Moses' instruction. Go, go to verse 5. He says, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. That's high cotton right there. Now, what is he saying? You're going to be a bad boy, Joshua. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but listen to what he says. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. So Joshua's going to have to say, wait a minute, how was God with Moses? To, be, to have confidence that God would not fail him or forsake him. What if he didn't pay attention? Yeah. Look at the reference. You're going to be super bad, Joshua. Yeah. But I'm going to be with you like I was with Moses. Yeah. And if you don't know how I was with Moses, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Let's keep reading. He says, be strong, verse 6, be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance in the land which I swear unto their, fa their fathers to give them, verse 7, only be strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to the law, uh-oh, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, and turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper Wherever thou goest. It's not complicated. What if, what if Joshua fell asleep in church? What if he blew it off? What if he didn't even show up for church? Because he said, well, Moses taught you while he was here. While he was imparting. While he was instructing. If you don't turn from it, what is he saying? If you love me, if you'll obey me, and don't turn from it to the right or to the left, you'll prosper everywhere you go. You'll have a successful journey everywhere you go. So you're going to have to pay attention to church. You just can't show up to church to appease your conscience and say, oh, I went to church today. No, you're getting something that you can't turn from because your success Remember the definition of forward? It's a successful conclusion. Why don't some people have a successful conclusion? They don't pay attention. Amen. What's getting ready to come before you in these sessions? You got to follow it. You have to pay attention because it's designed to do what? Move you forward. Amen. Step by step. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in it therein day and night. Why? That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So what's being taught, guess what you have to do? Keep it in your mouth. That's what he means by don't let it depart. If the word departs your mouth, it's gone. You're not speaking it any longer. Right. Amen. You know, when we drive up to the airport in Nashville, and it's in Louisville too, because I've been there, the airport has two lanes. You know, when you get to the terminal, what do they have? Arrivals and what? Departures. When a plane departs, what happens? It's no longer at the airport, is it? It's gone. Don't let the word of God be like a plane departed the airport in your mouth. Amen. When, when, when you, you, you've been learning about faith. How do we release our faith? We confess it with our, we confess the word with our mouths. If, if, your, if your confession, your life of confession of the word is like an airplane that's departed the airport, it's non-existent, then you won't have any victory. And here he says, when you keep it in your mouth and you meditate on it, how do you meditate? You mutter it. You say it to yourself. Y'all know how to meditate. Pastor, I don't know how to meditate. Yes, you do. 
Let your mama tell you you can't go to that place you've been wanting to go to all month. What do you do? She make me sick. I can't stand. I want to go. Everybody get to go. What are you doing? You meditating in the wrong direction. And it's going to get you that belt. You know where I come from, that gets you the belt. Amen? See, you, what are you doing? Talking under your breath. What are you doing? You're meditating in the wrong direction. And see, when you meditate in the wrong direction, you're observing to do the wrong things. When you meditate in the right direction, you observe to do the right things. Talk about the word. Meditate on the word. Guess what you'll start doing? Observing to do it. Because James chapter 3, verse 2 through 6 talks about that your tongue being like the bit in a horse's mouth, and you can turn that whole body about by controlling the tongue. What? Keep the bit of the word of God in your mouth, talking it, speaking it, meditating on it. Guess what's going to happen? You'll start doing it. And he says, when you observe to do it, he says, then you make your way prosperous. You have good success. The devil can't stop you with your mouth full of the word, doing what God's telling you to do. Amen. You'll have manifestations. Now, what are some of the lessons that we need to learn? Because think about this. Joshua's success in this new era was dependent upon how skillful he was with the lessons, the commandments that Moses had given. New era, but the word hadn't changed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I remember something Dr. Jacobs told us, and he constantly tells us, my ceiling is your floor. And I remember the first time he said that, and I thought in my mind, I mean, your ceiling is my floor? Right now, I feel like I'm in the basement. (laughs) But see, if we learn these lessons, we can take it further. It's not to change the lesson. It's to learn it and be skillful with it. Now you may may use it in in your today's terms because the generation is different, but the word's the same. Amen. You know, as people different things change, and you know, the language that you use. I can say some stuff now, and y'all wouldn't know. I was talking to the young guys about uh riding up here in the car. They had phones and they had uh they were able to see things on their phones and talk on their phones. I said, man, I remember Pastor Victoria and I would talk to her. said, I remember growing up in the car, you didn't, there wasn't no phone. You had the radio, you know, I'm talking about a radio where it was like 9, 10, 12, 30 on the dial. That was it. And when you left your town, the radio station was gone. And the only way you got another radio station if somebody else had a signal. If not, you had to read a book or look out the window or go to sleep. Back then, the cars were big enough where you could stretch out and go to sleep. Amen? That's how I was. I said, oh, you know, luckily if somebody had a cassette tape. I said, you know what a cassette tape is? You see one? They said, yeah. I said, what about an eight track? He looked at me and said, no, Pastor, I don't know what that is. Amen? But see, what, see, when you run, that's, that's a different era. Amen? But the songs still the same. They don't put them on eight tracks anymore. They don't put them on cassette tapes anymore. They, they, don't, they, they don't even keep them on the phone now. You get a streaming service. But songs are still the same. They still use music and words. So where do you take the word and put it on Instagram or whether you take the word and put it on Facebook or whether you take the word and preach it to someone, just don't change the word. Just because there's a new era. Because the word works the same. God said, we're going to a new place, but my words, my commandments, what I want you to do is not changing. Amen? There's nothing new under the sun. I promise you it's not. The word will help you see that. See, that's why your parents, listen to your parents when they're talking to you. Listen to your pastor when he's talking to you. There's nothing new under the sun. Amen. I remember my mama was talking about bell bottles back in the 70s and boot cut jeans. I said, mama, that's not coming back. That's out of style. She just laughed. You know, because back then I was wearing the, uh, the Levi's. Straight legs. 
Amen. With the button down and the uh, the knit the knit tie. Amen. Those came back. Y'all call them skinny jeans. That's just a little too skinny for me, but. But you know those bell bottoms came back? Boot cut came back? The afro came back? Amen? There's nothing new under the sun. So pay attention when someone who's ahead of you, when they tell you something from the word and they tell you how it's going to go down, pay attention. They've been there before. Done that. You can't outslick your parents. You can't, you can't, I'm telling you. I tried that. It don't work. Amen. Hallelujah. So what is one of the lessons that we have to master? I'm going to go to the end of my notes because that's where I had this. You talked about this. I want to talk to you about forgiveness. That's one lesson we need to master. Because everything God calls you to do is going to be people involved. That's his business. People. He wants people to know how much he loves them. And he wants to take up residence on the inside of them and reveal himself to them and give them victory. Jesus shed his blood so we can have everything in the new covenant. It's our inheritance. But how does it get into people? Somebody has to talk to them. Someone has to preach the gospel. Someone has to tell them the good news. That's how we came into the kingdom. Amen? And it is our responsibility to tell other people how good God's love is. It is our responsibility to tell other people how good it is to live for God. It's good living for God. I don't know what they talk, I don't know who's telling them anything other than that, but it's good to live for him. You're missing out if you live, live uh, for God. No, I'm missing out on death. I'm missing out on poverty. I'm missing out on torment. I'm missing out on lack. I'm missing out on bondage. I'm missing out on heartbreak. That's what I'm missing out on. And those are things to miss. <laughs> but you're going to have to learn how to forgive. What does it mean to forgive? To let go. You're going to have to learn how to let stuff go. And let me read this scripture to you. Let me go down here because it was at the end of my notes. And I learned this from this statement from Dr. Jacobs. You're going to have to forgive everyone of everything in your past, your present, and your future. And if you don't, you're going to be tormented. And I'm going to share with you how I was tormented because I didn't forgive. And I'm going to show you what happened when I decided to obey God. Change my life forever. Amen. But I'm going to read this to you from Mark chapter 11. Verse 25, it says, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Verse 26, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me read this one before I get into my testimony. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 Verse 10, Paul said this, To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it for your sakes, forgave I it in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And when, you, when you're in unforgiveness, you're not walking in God's love, you're not obeying his commands, when you're not obeying his commands, when you're not walking in love, your faith is not working. When your faith is not working, that's your victory over the world. And faith pleases God. Amen. And when we're disobedient, when we don't forgive, we don't get manifestations of God's power, love, goodness, forgiveness, deliverance. Amen. Jesus said, if we won't forgive, neither will the Father forgive us. You can say it this way. I can forgive because God has forgiven me. See, here's a, re here's a real quick way to help you think right about forgiveness. When I look at my own life, 
And the stuff I did, especially the stuff that's just between me and Jesus, when I look back on my own life and saw what God has forgiven me of, who am I to withhold forgiveness to anybody for anything? So whenever somebody irritates me or, or I'm, I'm tempted to try to hold something, all I do is look at my eyes and say, man, God forgave me of that. Oh, he forgave me. Back at night, oh, I don't even want to think about that. He forgave me of that. All right, man, go on. I let it go. Go on. Just go on. So let me share a little bit of my testimony with you because this has changed my life. I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't learned how to forgive. And I'm grateful that I had an opportunity to see my mother do it with my father. My dad was my hero. And, and I love him dearly. He's gone to heaven now. But my dad, I watched my dad be a recreational drug user. When my grandmother passed away in 87, he became an alcoholic. A couple of years later, I started noticing cocaine gram bottles. He started using cocaine. And pretty soon at the height of the crack epidemic, my dad got addicted to crack. And from about ninth grade till I was about my junior year of high school, we fought, my mom finally decided to leave, but it was pure torture. I don't know, listen, I live with an addict. I should have been the one using the drugs. The mental pressure, the, the, I didn't know it then, but now I see the demonic influence in the home. There were nights my mom would come and get into bed with me so my dad wouldn't bother. There were nights my mom had to fight to keep money so we could eat. I used to sit in my, uh, in my bedroom and I had a, you know, back then we had a weight set and it had a, about a six foot metal sleeve. I kept a hunting knife jammed in that metal sleeve behind my door because I didn't know if I was going to have to fight. My dad was 6'3", about 240 pounds. You know, physically, I can't do anything with him. But I lived in that kind of torture. And to see my dad go from this loving father to something that takes possession of him is really like he died. He was gone. And I had to live in that, in that fear. And then... When my parents divorced, all the fear really kicked in. Who's going to protect me? Who's going to help me? How am I, who's going to teach me this? Who's going to teach me? See, the devil, he just puts all that pressure on the mind. And then I was getting picked on in school, and I was being made fun of in school, and all kind of stuff. So then the fear turns into anger. Then it turns into resentment. And now I'm in the college. And I'm struggling to do that, I'm struggling to make ends meet. My mom doing her best, and now I'm angry because if you had not got on drugs, if you hadn't done this, I wouldn't be struggling like this. So now my heart's getting hard. And it's, it's, it's to the point that uh, I told my mom I came home from school one day. I didn't even told my dad to his face, man, you know I was going to kill you. I just had it planned out. I told my mom, I said, listen, I want you to deliver a message to him. I said, just tell him to stay away from me. I'll stay away from him because if we see each other, neither one of us is going to back down. Somebody's going to be hurt and it's probably going to be me, but I'm done with it. And I harbored that. And my mom, she sat down. Now, I watched my mom walk in total forgiveness towards him. Didn't want anything from him. As a matter of fact, she wouldn't even let me disrespect him. You know, she would tell me, she said, that's still your father. Something has gotten a hold of him. That what you see is not your father. You got some good memories with your father. He was good. He got a hold of something that he couldn't handle. They got a hold of him. I thank God for my mom teaching me that. She didn't want not a dime from him. 
And I'm looking like, man, we over here struggling and you don't want anything from me? I watched the beatings he put on you. I saw the aftermath of that. And you don't want nothing from him? She didn't want nothing from him. If you saw my mom today, you wouldn't know she went through all of that. I'm telling you, it pays to walk in, the, in forgiveness. But she told me, she said, you better let that go before that comes out on somebody that you didn't intend it to come out on. So fast forward, I'm in my early, late 20s, early 30s. I get in a word church. And I start learning the word. Pastor Victoria and I get married. We move in our home. And uh, God starts dealing with me about going home to get my father to come live with us. God started dealing with me that I need to forgive my dad. So I had to obey God. I'm going to tell you about a manifestation when you obey God. And so Pastor Victoria knew the stories, and she'll tell you, I told her, I vowed I will kill an addict before I live with one again. And uh, God starts dealing with me about going home to get my dad. By this time, he's nearly 20 years into this addiction. And he's wasting away. His body's breaking down. And at this time, God has so, the love of God has so enveloped my heart, I start praying for my dad. God, I just want him to know he's saved. I start praying. I said, God, send somebody uh, by his path, across his path, that knows how to rightly divide the world, who has an anointing that can speak to him, that, that'll listen to him. And you know God sent an ex-drug dealer that he owed money to who had gotten saved and preaching the gospel to speak to my dad, start softening him up. But when God started dealing with me to go home to get my dad to live with us, we had just built our home. And uh, for about two weeks, God was dealing with me strong. And I was like, man, I got to tell Pastor Victoria, I don't know. She, go, she heard these stories. So one night, we just laying in bed, and I just kind of said, sweetie, I got to tell you something. She said, what? I said, uh, God's been dealing with me about going home to get dad to come live with us. She said, I knew that two weeks ago. Let's go. See, it's, it's right when you, when you marry right. So I called my dad and I said, listen, uh, you're going to come home and live with me. And uh, he said, okay. So we made a plan for him to catch the bus to Nashville to come live with me. And that, that Friday, I call, he called me at work. I'll never forget it. And I said, Dad, what, you're, are you downtown at the bus station? He said, no, I'm still in Chattanooga. I done smoked up all my money. Fear tried to grip me, but I remember 1 Corinthians 13. Before it even tried to grip me, I said, I'll be there when I get off from work. So Pastor Victoria and I got in the car, and we drove down to pick him up. And I told him, I said, Dad, you know, when you, when you come to my house, you can come, but that drug addiction can't come in my house. And when I did that, I, I brought him home. I laid him on my couch. He just wanted to watch the TV or something. He laid down on the couch. He woke up the next morning totally set free. Made me late for work telling me how free that God has sent. No desire, no, I didn't lay hands on him. I just obeyed God. And what I discovered was a manifestation of God's love. And when you love like he tells you to love. Now, I don't recommend you go get a crack addict to live with you unless God told you to do it and you know God told you to do it. But God told me to do that. And I'm going to tell you a story because I can remember being mad at God when that was going on. I, I, didn't, I didn't know why. How did he get like that? See, when you obey God, God begins to unfold things. One thing I found out from my dad, what led to his addiction was unforgiveness. My father, 
had aspirations to go to this certain high school at home that was real popular. And he was, it, my dad was an exceptional athlete, and all the best athletes went to their school. They were running, winning state championships and all this. And right at the time my dad was to go into high school, they did desegregation. And so my dad wound up getting bused to another high school. And my grandparents would not, my dad's older sister, who was an adult at the time, he could have used her address, and my grandparents would not let him do it. And so out of unforgiveness and rebellion, he started using drugs where he went to school. And it just grew from there. Had I not forgiven him, I'd have never saw that. But I remember one conversation my dad had with me. We were just talking. And he said, now I know how much God loves me because he sent his son for me. Then he sent my son for me. i never forget that story, him saying that. But what was big for me is when you obey God and forgive, you're going to have to learn how to let stuff go. People will disappoint you, not intentionally. Sometimes people just don't know. Sometimes because people haven't been taught, they can't love for people because they don't know how. You're going to have to learn how to let it go. People can't do what they don't know. And sometimes we, we don't know what people know. But what helps us to forgive and let things go so we can move forward? Because when you do not forgive, you harbor that thing and it festers and it poisons you. It torments you. Remember what Jesus told the guy? It, that he gave that parable in Matthew chapter 18 when that guy was forgiven all that debt and then he went to his servant and said, pay me what you owe me. And, and put the guy in prison and the, the rest of the guy said, he, man, he didn't, look at what he did. And his master came back and said, I forgave you all that debt. Shouldn't you forgive him of this? And he sent them to the tormentors. If you don't forget, you're going to be tormented by that event. Amen? And I was tormented by that event until I forgave my father. I was tormented by those nights. I was tormented by the, that, that stuff played over and over and over. Those scenarios played over and over and over in my mind until I forgave my dad. That was the freedom. It opened things up for me. I'd have never been able to receive my wife. I'd have never been able to receive Dr. Jacobs as my spiritual father. See, the devil wants to, listen to me, the devil wants to get you in unforgiveness towards people. Why? Because God used people to reach you. And he wants you afraid of people, mad with people. Amen? You got to learn how to let stuff go. So God, he, he showed me how to let stuff go. I had to let stuff go about race. Amen? So I learned how to forgive. Everything I thought somebody stole from me, Jesus gave it back. <laughs> I got every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Who care about 40 acres and a mule? Got way more. But see, I had to learn that. Because here's something. What if God wants to use somebody that don't look like you to bless you and you harboring unforgiveness. You don't get to choose the package he bring it to you in. God got all kind of people anointed to help you. And all of them, I'm going to give you a newsflash, all of them don't look like you. <laughs> Some of the most selfless Loving things that were done to me in my life were done by people who don't look like me. Some of the most low-down, trifling, awful things that were done to me in my life 
were done by people who look like me, who supposed to know where I come from, how it is. No, man, your heart jacked up. It's a heart issue. And the only thing that can fix a heart issue is the love of God. So you got to learn how to what? Let it go. You got to learn how to forgive your parents for stuff they didn't know. They can only give you what they knew at the time. And you don't know if somebody didn't show them. Because you know it was a time in your life that you didn't know something. You know right now some stuff you don't know. We got to learn how to let it go. That's a lesson that we need to master from those who have gone before us. The lesson of forgiving. Because God uses people. And the devil uses people too. And you can't discern the difference with unforgiveness in your heart. Because that'll make you insensitive to the Holy Ghost and his promptings. I'm just telling you. Bypass all that by listening to what I'm telling you. Let it go. Let it go. You ever grab something hot? How, how long you hold on to it? Not that long. Why do you let it go? Because it's hot. And it what? It burns. And what else it does? It hurts. You need to treat unforgiveness like that. It's burning up the blessings in your life. It's burning you. It's causing pain in your life. Let it go. Let it go. It's, it's, it's real easy. Y'all seen that? What's that movie? Frozen? Is it Frozen? Let it go. Let it go. Right? She said, the end of what? The cold never bothered me anyway? The devil can't win anyway. So let it go. Amen? You know the, the other thing you need to forgive? Yourself. God already did. So ain't no need you used to hold, used to you holding on to it. Right? Turn it loose. Okay? This is how you move forward. You have to let this go. Amen? See, somebody, come up here real quick. Let me show you something. Keep that in your hand. That's unforgiveness. Let me show you what's, what's going to happen. Stay right there with me. So this is unforgiveness. Now here is God with freedom, redemption, prosperity, healing, love, and he said, here is yours. But what did you have to do? Ask for it. Well, to receive it, all you got to do is what? What did she let go of? So she can't receive all of God's best, hold it on to what's already in her hands. How easy is that? That's how easy you can forgive. Once she saw what I was offering, that she wanted it, all she did was simply put it down and pick up what was being offered. She didn't ask, can I earn it? She didn't ask, what do, I do, what do I need to do to get it? She saw it was being offered. She knew she could take it. So she put down what was hurting her, and she took what was good for her. That's easy as pie. Huh? Let it go. Will you let it go? Thank you for helping me. You hold on to that stuff, you're being tormented. So, you know what I want to do? I want to help you get free today. If you're, being, if you're being tormented by something in the past, I want you to come up here. I'm going to help you today. We're going to get free of that. We're going to let this go. And we're going to cast that thing off of you. I don't care what it is in the past. It's been tormenting you. And you know it's rooted in, I haven't forgiven them. I haven't let it go. And that thing is tearing you up. It's robbing you of your peace. It's robbing you of your joy. That ends 
tonight. Hallelujah. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and then I'm going to I'm going to lay my hands on you and break that off of you right now. Amen. Hallelujah. This is real freedom. I'm telling you, you, you're going back different because you choose to forgive. And can I share this with you real quick? Forgiveness or forgiving others is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you. Now, I'm, I'm going to lead you in this prayer to release that person or yourself just for the to release that unforgiveness. Now, the enemy, he likes to strike the mind. And he'll probably tell you, well, do you feel like you've forgiven them? He'll try to bring the event back. This is what you have to do. You say, no, I've forgiven them by faith, and I'm free. Now, devil, you leave in the name of Jesus. I will not take that thought. I will not take on those feelings because I made a decision. I obey God. And, Father, I thank you for the manifestation of your peace. So you have to cast that down. I don't check my feelings to see if I've forgiven or not. I know I did because I told God I forgive him. I let it go. Amen? And every time it comes, listen, just because he tried to come back and enter don't mean your faith ain't working. You just give it to him. You put the word on him. You know when you beat the bully in the neighborhood? You ain't scared anymore, are you? If he walked across the street and want to challenge you, what you do? Give him some more. So that's what you do with the word. The devil tries to step up and challenge your mind, give him the word. He can't handle it. See, when you resist him, he'll flee. But you have to resist him submitting to God's word, doing what the word says to do about it. Amen? Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media. 